Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers, continuing our verse-by-verse study of the book of Revelation. And this week, we are going to start chapter 20. I can't believe when I even say that, that we're this far into the book. But we're looking and having a great time looking at prophecy, this prophetic word, this tremendous book. And so today, I want to read for you the context, which is uh, Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. Now, I'm not going to do a whole lot of this exegetically on these three verses, but to use them as a springboard to uh, get into the subject of a millennial kingdom. That is what this topic is today. It's introducing what I think will be several weeks where we'll be describing for you in detail uh, the coming earthly kingdom as it is also referred to. So I want to read today from the text, Revelation chapter 20, And I'll begin in verse 1. The word of God reads, And I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he should not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. You know, this particular section that we're in, beginning in chapter 20, uh, is referred to by many as the coming earthly kingdom. Uh, the The coming earthly kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of the most significant chapters, I think, in all of the Word of God. It is a very... Uh, It is, in its very sense, a word of climactic chapter, bringing us to the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth in his glory, uh, in his kingdom as he comes to set it up. His kingdom is the climax, and uh, that is what is uh, missing from so much Christian doctrine today, is doesn't see it like that. It is the culmination of redemptive history Uh, as it unfolds in this world. And so we're really reaching the climax or the culmination of all human history. And I want to begin just by uh, noticing something here and giving you uh, something that I want you to look at. And that is these three verses talk about something. Uh, You might say, well, that's crazy. Of course it does. Well, but I want you to know it's talking about this coming kingdom. And it's describing something that is going to set the standard for the kingdom in the sense that Satan will be bound. Look at what it says. I saw an angel coming down from heaven. This is John still seeing this. And he says he saw him coming down from heaven, having the key of the abyss and the great chain in his hand. Now, a little later, we're going to describe what that is um, as far as uh, that description there. And look at what this angel does. He lays hold of the dragon. Notice the descriptives here. He lays hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. In other words, he's saying, uh, basically, very simply, the, the angel comes from heaven, binds Satan, and throws him into a pit. Look at what it says in verse 3. And threw him into the abyss, or pit, and shut it and sealed it over him so that he should not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. So, this binding, this 
tossing him into the pit is going to last for 1,000 years. There is the timeline of the kingdom. Now, I know some people say the kingdom is now, and this, the only part of the kingdom we're going to see, or any, any part of any real kingdom is going to be here on the earth. And I, I always think about this passage, because this passage says that Satan will be bound for 1,000 years. And that is the, the uh, hallmark of this, is to see the length of the kingdom is a thousand years. But I want to just begin describing this for you. I want you to, if you uh, have a pencil and piece of paper, just to write down some verses. I'm going to hit a lot of verses uh, that basically describe this kingdom. Uh, not really explaining these three verses, but we'll do that later. This is the day that was just described by the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 23. That's Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. This is how he describes it. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I shall raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteous. Behold, days are coming. So, right there is telling us something. And, of course, we're going to have lots of verses, but that one in general is telling us something about a coming time when there will be literal kingdom on earth. And it is going to be described in many ways in, throughout this, but basically all of God's redemptive purpose since the fall of man culminates in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is probably one of the weakest doctrines uh, taught in the, in the Christian church today. It's just not a mu much out there. But yet, if you decide to do a study on the kingdom and you look at all the information that is out there and written about the kingdom and then go to the scriptures and find all the verses that talk about the kingdom, you're going to be reading for months and months. If I were to do a complete, what I would call, exhaustive study of the kingdom, it would take us weeks and weeks and weeks to go through it and to cover it all. It is absolutely amazing. But it has been called by many different names. It has been called the Paradise Lost, Paradise Regained. Uh, the Glorious Paradise Regained, this kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, this literal 1,000-year millennial reign of the Savior over the earth is the fulfillment of the climax of all redemptive promise and the realization and the hope of the saints of all ages because at that particular time, God will bring salvation, righteousness, peace to the very center of the universe out of the land of Israel. It is an amazing thing to look at. It is quite uh, phenomenal to see all that is written in Scripture. Now, I want to give you a definition, if I can, if you'll let me, uh, about this kingdom. Uh, I've heard so many people try to describe the kingdom. This is my little attempt to give you just a little bit of a working definition. Because as we go through this whole thing today, I want you to think about this definition, and I want you to think about the three verses that I read. Satan will be bound for the thousand years. But here is the little definition I've given. The, it is the absolute sovereign rule and reign of the Lord Jesus Christ in person on this earth 
for a literal 1,000 years. That would be a good definition. That's the way I like to define it. The absolute sovereign rule and reign of the Lord Jesus Christ in person on this earth for a literal 1,000 years. Well, now, if that's true, if that is absolutely true, then surely the Bible will talk about it. And it does, in fact, talk about it. There are lots of verses in which we are going to look at today that talk about this. It is at that time that Jesus will reign fully as King of Kings, Lord of Lords over all creation. This literal 1,000-year kingdom is the end of human history, the end of the present universe as we know it. And after the 1,000-year kingdom is completed, in other words, it is over, everything as we know it now in the created order will be completely destroyed because it has been tainted by sin. Even though Christ is reigning, he is reigning over a renewed or regenerated and restored earth and universe, but not a recreated one, and so it is still so it still bears the mark of sin. Very important thing that I'm, I'm bringing out there that I'm not going to have a whole lot of time to uh, explain fully. But after the thousand years is over, the Lord will destroy completely the universe, create a new heaven and a new earth in the eternal perfection, unstained by sin, and that will become the everlasting kingdom. So, redemptive history runs from the fall of man through the period of time until Jesus comes back in judgment, judges the world, sets up his kingdom. His kingdom lasts for a thousand years in a renewed rejuvenated world, and then the whole universe as we know it, even in the renewed state, is destroyed and makes way for the new heaven and the new earth, untouched by sin of any kind, and that is the fullness of God's eternal paradise. We find that in Revelation chapter 21. And so this becomes really something that I think is very important for believers to have at least a little understanding of. And I've given the illustration uh, many times when I've taught about teaching uh, in certain churches about the kingdom and how overwhelmed the church was. Uh, some people are just literally blown away by all the information you can give them. And then to be able to show them in the scripture where it says it uh, really is amazing for them. So now this is a thousand-year kingdom. known. It, it is known as the Millennial Kingdom. That is the theme of this chapter as we look at chapter 20 in the book of Revelation. The final reign of the Lord Jesus Christ during that thousand years in the city of Jerusalem on the throne of David over Israel as a nation and over the whole world. That's going to be a literal time that's going to happen on this earth. There are a couple of things I need to say before we look at the text. Uh, of course, I don't, I, we're not going to do much looking at the text today, but we're going to talk about all these things. It's very uh, interesting to notice that the Bible uh, is, the way it's written is, in, they've tried to lay out much of it chronological, and it doesn't always work. I know that if you've ever purchased a chronology, a true chronology of the Word of God, you find that books are in a different order, and it becomes really hard to read because it just doesn't seem to fit. But this passage in this scripture, <clears throat> in Revelation chapter 20, fits into the chronology of the book. If you go into chapter 19 and verse 11, 
you have the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ comes, and at the end of chapter 19, that is described in great detail, which we've looked at already, <coughs> excuse me, he arrives in verse 16, as, uh, verse 16 of chapter 19, as King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Uh, there is this big battle, that is the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, he is seen as the conqueror and the victor. And then this battle is described by all the carnage that lays all over the place. Uh, by the, this, literally, every unbeliever in the world is, is killed by the word of Christ. And then it says that the birds are to come and have their supper and enjoy that, that dinner or that meal, uh, the flesh of, of humans. And then we read about the beast and the false prophet that ends chapter uh, 19, being thrown into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. And then it says the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of the Lord who returned. All the birds were filled with their flesh. So there you have the devastating judgment of the return of Christ. Uh, and then you have over in chapter 21, verse 1, I saw a new heaven, I saw a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth passed away. And here you have the eternal state at the end of the kingdom. So you have the Lord Jesus returning in night, chapter 19 of Revelation. You have the creation of a heaven and a new earth in Revelation chapter 21. And in the middle of that, you have chapter 20. So you have 19 is returned, you have something going on in 20, and then you have a recreation of heaven and earth, a uh, new heaven and a new earth in Revelation 21. So chapter 20 describes the thousand-year kingdom. The chronology is very simple. You have a period of time called the tribulation. It started in Revelation 6. It ends in Revelation 19. It ends with the return of Jesus Christ and his total judgment of the ungodly, and that judgment, and then in chapter 20, he sets up his kingdom, and at the end of his kingdom, he creates a new heaven and a new earth. Very chronologically straightforward. Simple up to that point. This is very, very simple, and it's clear the chronology of the book of Revelation is intended that way. And certainly it is an interpretive key. In other words, Whatever you're going to do with this kingdom, you have to deal with the chronology that is laid out for us in the book of Revelation. You cannot deny that. And clearly, the kingdom is placed between the, uh, the, the, the return of Christ, his coming back to earth, and the creating of a new heaven and a new earth. You see, right in the middle, and it fits right between those events. Having said that, this must be under, understood I think in terms of its chronology, I want to go uh, outside that chronology and mention also the details of the kingdom are only given in summary fashion here in chapter 20. You're going to see, by the time this is over and next week is over, uh, all that is that I'm going to be able to give you, you're going to see that Revelation chapter 20 only gives us a picture of it, really. It's not much. It's just a uh, as one person would, would do, it's a, a token summary of the kingdom given to us in Revelation chapter 20. John did not elaborate on all that is there. That If he had a, given us all that is worth elaborating on in the kingdom, he would have given us probably uh, 120 chapters to the book of Revelation. But he didn't do that because that's what God gave us here. 
But we have the other parts of the Word of God. So he gives us just a general perspective here and does not exhaust by any means all that could be said about the character or the nature of the thousand years. And yet, this is instruction about the kingdom itself throughout the Bible. You see it everywhere. In fact, if we were to just study all the places of the Scripture that deal with the kingdom, we would be at it for months. And I know I've said that to people, and they look at me like I'm crazy. Or they look at me with a, like a deer in the headlights at night. They, they're just stunned, like, what? I've been reading my Bible forever, and I don't know anything about the kingdom. I've had people tell me that. So it's scattered throughout the Old Testament. It's scattered throughout the New Testament. Uh, and if you pick a time of, of just trying to read what people have written, there's a lot <coughs> out there about what people have written. You can see it all over the place. And so, what you have in chapter 20 is not at all that is that can be said about the kingdom, but merely a placing of the kingdom in chronology. I think that was probably uh, one of the major things we see. Is, is John, What is John doing here? What is he telling us? Well, he's telling us there is a kingdom, and he's telling us how it fits in to God's eternal plan. I think that's the point. I don't think the point is to describe for us and prove to us there's a kingdom. And so you look at this and you begin to understand that in light of what John is doing. So uh, there are a lot of things that we need to look at in, in, in view of this. Chapter 19 closes with the Battle of Armageddon, which is the culmination of the Day of the Lord, which is the time of judgment <coughs> in which God intervenes powerfully and very publicly by the coming of Jesus Christ to destroy the ungodly who remain. At that time, which we call the Battle of uh, the Armageddon, the Antichrist and the false prophet uh, lead armies of the ungodly to battle with Christ. That's how the uh, Battle of Armageddon is described, and you can see that written in, in Revelation chapter 16. Well, all of them that gather and come to destroy God or battle with God are going to be executed, all of them. All of them are without Christ, and they're all going to be executed. It's a horror of a slaughter that you see at the end of chapter 19. Uh, and then having executed judgment on the earth, the Lord Jesus renovates the earth and cleans it up, I guess you could say. Remakes some parts of it. And, and we are going to be able to see some of that. You have the you have so much going on as far as destruction of the earth and even in the, the heavens, uh, it's going to need something. You have the collapsing sky, you have flying out of space, stars falling through the earth, you have basically the earth in convulsions and all of the shaking of the planets and the uh, the stars and and even the earth itself. In fact, it even ends in Revelation chapter 16 with... Uh, hailstones being a, a hundred pounds each falling on the earth. Can you imagine the devastation of that? But then chapter 16 closes out with this saying that not, in fact, I'll just, I'll just kind of read it to you. It says, uh, all of the mountains will be flat. In other words, every island fled away, and every mountain, there were no mountains found. They all have been leveled or flattened. Now think about that. No mountains on the earth. Well, 
we're going to talk about that because there is actually going to be one mountain on the earth and it's going to be uh, a place where the uh, the tabernacle will be or the the kingdom will be located primarily near that and so you're we're, but we're going to explain that I don't, I'm, I'm hesitating because I don't really want to get into that yet, but boy, there's uh, so much more to come. <clears throat> but having executed judgment on the earth, <clears throat> the Lord Jesus Christ renovates the earth because of all that has happened during the tribulation period. You've had so much destruction. You have so much going on. Uh, he will. Uh, in fact, we have already read in chapter 16 how he'll carve a valley from the Mediterranean toward the Dead Sea and, and a new river flowing through that period or that location will turn the desert into a blossoming place. So there are a number of things that are going to reconfigure the world. Eden will be restored. It will be like the Garden of Eden again. Paradise will be actually regained. This renovated earth will then become the place where Jesus rules. He will sit on the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem, that great city from which he will rule the world. Now, if that's the case, boy, there's got to be a lot of things that change between now and then. And if you've been listening to any of this broadcast, or if you know anything about the Revelation, about Revelation itself, then you know there will be a lot that's going to change. This world is in a rapid changing mode right now. Even as I speak, it's changing. The uh, things are lining up so fast, it's hard to even track them all. There's so many things. And I've heard this from so many prophecy teachers. Uh, but then when you look at the tribulation actually starting and the church having been removed, that restrainer removed, Boy, this world is in for an awful time. But God will truly reign. He will truly be the God of this age and the whole world and all of its economics, all of its labor, all of its education, the social life. Everything will be ruled by the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is coming. It is going to be the new kingdom. It will be opposite of the world like ours today, which has a God of this age, uh, Satan ruling it and reflecting him uh, it is this very utopia, this golden age that men have longed for. We've longed for a time that is described like the kingdom is described. And so that is actually coming. And so that's the point of all of this today is to talk about the millennial kingdom. And by the way, uh, the longing in the heart is so strong. It's one reason why people fall victim, even unbelievers fall victim to the Antichrist because they imagine that he is going to bring the one to bring in this long-awaited utopia. But boy, are they going to be deceived. In fact, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us that along with his deceptive ways, along with the deceptive ways of sin itself, God is going to send a strong delusion where many will believe that that utopia is there. They're going to believe the lie. They're going to believe the person of the lie. They're going to believe the Antichrist. What a, what, a, what a time. So this thousand-year kingdom, then, is the subject of the 20th chapter of Revelation. It is called by many names in Scripture. New Testament alone, there are verses that call it the regeneration. Matthew 19, 28, the time of refreshing, which is uh, uh, Matthew 19, 28, talks about the 
the regeneration. The time of refreshing is found in Acts 3.19. The time of restitution, Acts 3.21. The dispensation of the fullness of times, Ephesians 1.10. And there are many, many more scriptures on the subject of the kingdom age. In fact, there are many scriptures in the subject to speak on the subject more often than any other subject of the Bible in detail. And so it becomes quite interesting to even look at this. In fact, you could argue that the kingdom is the key, the theme of the whole scripture. All scripture really moves towards the fact of, of, the, of God ruling and that God is sovereign and that the goal of redemptive history is the eternal kingdom in which God rules. There is a centrality of focus when you look at the scriptures and you realize at the very center of all of God's plan is the kingdom. It is absolutely amazing. The kingdom then becomes a major comprehension. You need to understand, anyone who is going to understand the Bible must understand the kingdom. At least generally, everything points toward that. All through the Old Testament, vast numbers of passages deal with it. Far too many as I've said to cover in one message. For example, 2 Samuel chapter 7, we read the kingdom. Uh, and, and Psalm 2, we've, we've looked at Psalm 2 several weeks. Read about the kingdom. You can read about it in Isaiah 2, Isaiah 11, Isaiah 35, Isaiah 40 to 48, all those chapters. You can read about it actually in all in everything from uh, Isaiah 48 all the way to the end, 66. You can uh, read about it in Jeremiah, as we noted, chapter 23 through 33. You can read about it. Ezekiel is full of places that talk about the kingdom. We're going to get a lot of our information from Ezekiel. But if you were to do a survey of, of hands in most churches, how many of you have actually read and studied the book of Ezekiel? Your hands are very few in number. Some have read it. Very few have studied it. Uh, chapter 34 out of Ezekiel, for example, you can read about it. Daniel has a lot. Daniel chapter 2, chapter 7. You can read about it in Hosea. Really? You can? Yes. You can read about it in Joel, Zephaniah, Zechariah chapter 14, and those are but a, just a brief number of places that it's listed. And so when we go through here, you're going to actually be amazed at all that is given. It's so much a part of the Jewish history that they talk about it even today. They're looking for the kingdom. <clears throat> the Old Testament is so loaded with anticipation of the coming kingdom of God on earth that the Jews continued to pray that it might come to pass looking for it today. Even though they don't recognize Jesus as the Savior, they still look for that kingdom that is so vividly portrayed in the Old Testament. It's, 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 it's amazing. Someday God is going to reign over this earth and he's going to reign through the Messiah and his reign rises out of his own sovereign nature. It rises out of his own sovereign purpose is the way one writer puts it. Another says it, it was reflected in the garden before Adam sinned. When God reigned, it will be restored by the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God will reign again. It is really in the biblical doctrine of the kingdom that we have the Christian view of history. You know, history is headed that direction. History is definitely headed in the direction. We're closer now than we've ever been to this kingdom. And yet there are so many people that want to refute the kingdom. And I, I, I'm, I'm tempted to, to talk about this in some way, but there are views in which so much of the church takes sides with, whether it's premillennial, uh, postmillennial, or 
ah millennial. And I'll just describe those very briefly for you. Premillennial is a millennial is simply a word for a thousand. It's a Latin word used. So the thousand year kingdom, the premillennialist belief follows the return of Christ. That is, Christ has to come, set it up, and that is the chronology of the book of Revelation. This is the, what is being presented to you right now, is the premillennial point of view. And that has been the hope of the hearts of the Jews, as I've quoted to you uh, many times in, 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 in the church looking for this. And we can safely say then, everything up to chapter 20 is premillennial, the tribulation, the day of the Lord, the return of Christ. It has all been premillennial. Now, chapter 20 is the actual millennial. And chapter 21 is postmillennial in the sense that it is after the millennial. And so I'm just simply emphasizing the chronology again. So if you can understand these three views, the premillennial, the postmillennial, and the amillennial, you, you, you've come a long way. Now that, that is the premillennial point of view. But there is, a, and we talk about it, we, we, you know, we, 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 we write books on it, or we write commentaries, we hear sermons on it. I don't hear a lot of sermons on the amillennialist point of view. I don't hear any sermons written from the post-millennial point of view. But it is a time of refreshing, a restitution, a time when Israel is in the land prospering and the real desert, uh, this desert now blossoms like a rose, a time of the warfare and animosity and hostility in the animal kingdom is ended. A time when people have longed or prolonged their, have prolonged lives and someone who dies at 100 dies as a baby, we're going to read in the scriptures. You say, well, is that right? Is that actually accurate? Yes, it's accurate. I'll even show you where it's found. An incredible time, a time with a completely renewed and regenerated world. So that is where we are headed. We're headed for all of this to explain all of this. So there is the second view. There is the post-millennial. This view flourishes uh, when history got so bad and uh, so many wars began to uh, to appear that it really did away with it. So there aren't many of those. I'm going to explain that later. And then there's the amillennialist, which says uh, that there is no millennial reign today. And that is a hard one for me to to, to take. It's, it's just a hard one for me because there's so much in Scripture. Amillennial means none. This means that there are folks who don't believe in any millennium. They just don't believe it. So I'm going to end with that because I, there's so much I could explain. So I want to take my time with this and get into it uh, a little bit more before we go into the uh, actually digesting and exegeting chapter 20. So this is the, really a light introduction. It's the Millennial Kingdom. That's what it's called. And I thank you for joining me today. I look forward to next time. Thank you.